And so I'm preaching from my dad's Bible today. It's heavy. It's a Bible that uh, I found in his study from 1940. Yeah, I don't know if there were bicycles in those days where there may be penny farthings. I don't know the 1940s, but this is my dad's Bible, and I thought it would be just special to preach in honor of my dad today because he made some decisions in his life to follow Jesus on the straight road, and he made a decision to live, to live and to um, bring up my brother and I in a different way to the way he was brought up in his childhood. And so I thought it would be special to, to preach out of his uh, Bible today. You, you're thinking, Daryl, I'm not uh, living on the mission field, making a difference in people's lives like your dad did. He was a pastor and like you are, I'm a pastor. No, no, friends, your mission field is your family. Your mission field is your kids. Sir. Your mission field is the people that you come into contact with, wherever you are. That's your mission field. My mom, she uh, flew back from the UK a couple of weeks back. And so she sat, and across the aisle from her, she started talking to a lady on the, on the plane with her, her beautiful little blonde daughter. And they started talking, and my mom discovered that this lady and her family, she's flying back with her daughter to Brackpan because her mom passed away, and she's going to be with her family over this Christmas period. And when I thought of that story, how my mom just impacted people on her spiritual journey, on an airplane, loving God, touching people's lives, that family are here today. Amazing. Hey, where's Nadine and little Evelyn and you guys from Brackpan? We want to welcome them, but we also want to welcome all our visitors here. There's a lot of visitors here. Where's, uh, where's that other lady? Kay, where's your, where's your grand? Your, your grand, I was talking to, you, to Kay's grand, to, to Kim's mom. There's, there's many visitors here today. Um, I even see my cycling friends here today for the first time. Carl and Megan, they got married last week in Modafontaine, and they're here today. They came on their bicycles. Yeah, lovely. Just stand up there, buds. Just show the Oaks your kit there. Turn around. That's a proper cycling kit, eh? Yeah, that's proper. And, and I'm so glad that you came on the Col Nago, hey, Carl. Because it's about time we get some Italian racehorses there on the bike rack outside there. Not these specialized guys. Oh, my word. But Merry Christmas to my specialized friends on their bikes. Great, great to see them as well here today. And so uh, we're going to get to the Bible because that's why we're here on Jesus' birthday. And we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 1. And the AV team said, please, it's Christmas. Can we feel sorry for our family and can we put it on the screen? So we do feel sorry for you. Today only, Christmas Day, we're going to have it on the screen from Matthew chapter 1. And it's the King James Version Yo, from 1940. I don't know if I can hold this up. So, so here we go. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren, and Judas begat Perez and Zara of Tamar, and Perez begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram. Okay, so don't worry, friends, we're going to get through this, but there's a reason, because this is a very, very, very powerful scripture that we're reading here today. Let's go uh, verse 6, jump for us there, Jay. Merry Christmas, Sister Jane. Jesse, verse 6, begat David the king. David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Yeah, I'm battling here. Here we go. Jump to verse 9. Before we go to verse 9, that word begat in the Greek, the Greek word in, for begat is genia. And that's where you and I get our word genealogy from. And I see grandparents sitting here with their kids and their uh, their grandkids, there's generations that have been passed on in this genealogy. 
And so that's where that word comes from. Maybe some of you have served God and you've given your kids and your grandkids a spiritual inheritance for 30 or 40 years because you've gone to church, perhaps at an Enghia church or an Anglican church, and you've left a spiritual inheritance behind for your family. And maybe some of you are sitting here today visiting, coming to church for the very first time. You are starting today, sir, to leave a spiritual inheritance behind for your family. And you say, what, what do you mean, Daryl? How, how am I doing that? By coming to church and by reading God's word and by the Holy Spirit convicting you of things in your life, not man, the Holy Spirit, you start living a straight road. And that starts to affect your family. That starts to, accept, uh, to affect your, your marriage and, and, and your kids. Let's go back to the Bible, verse 9. And, and Ozias begat Jotham, and Jotham begat Ahaz, and Ahaz begat Ezekiel. Let's jump all the way down here. We've got these names here. Verse 16. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. And from David until the carrying away into Babylon are 14 generations. And from the carrying away into Babylon and Christ are 14 generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was this way. When as his mother Mary was exposed to Joseph, stand a great for my brother. He's here, Merry Christmas. But that's another word for engaged. She was engaged to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Carry on reading. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her public example of her, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things. Another translation says, but after he considered this. Joseph on Christmas Day, at that time of Christmas, was busy considering something. So what are you considering this Christmas time in 2018? Maybe you're considering making a change of jobs, change of career. Maybe you're considering maybe making the biggest mistake of your life. Because this was, was, was going on for Joseph. This was this biggest scandal that ladies outside Woolies at the Faramir Square were talking about. One of those where they get married in January and the baby comes in June. And it's like, oh, that, that's, that's a bit quick. And, and Joseph is busy considering this. Joseph is, is busy deciding what is he going to do. Read on there. While he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not. Say, fear not. Fear not. Carry on reading there. Uh, where are we? Help me out on that screen. The, the, uh, thought on these things. Fear not. Take uh, unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. I had a friend. We were driving to athletics training one year in matric. I was in matric, and, and we were talking about Jesus. And he said to me, that's a far-fetched story that, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that story? And it hit me here. And, he, and I said to him, yes, maybe it is a far-fetched story, but I choose to believe that story. My faith on Jesus, my faith in accepting him as my Savior starts with that verse. Do you believe in the miracles in the New Testament where Jesus turned water into wine, where Jesus walked on water, where Jesus fed the 5,000? Yeah, 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 I do. Those are miracles. This is a miracle where the supernatural power of God allowed Mary to conceive that child. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save. Say save. 
save his people from their sins. Carry on there for us, Jay. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, he had this dream, that is the angel of the Lord did, and, and had bidden him and took him unto his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son. He wasn't with her, and, and he called his name Jesus. Is that it? Beautiful. Whole of Matthew chapter 1. We've just read it. I want to speak this morning about the four calls of Christmas. The four calls of Christmas. And the first call of Christmas this morning, friends, is to leave the timing to God. That's the first point, the first call of Christmas. You see, from the time that that genealogy started until when Jesus came into this world, guess how long that took? 2,000 years. 2,000 years took place from when that story started, from Abraham all the way until Jesus came into this world. And at our carol service, we heard Mary's song that she sang, giving praise to God after she, that angel appeared to her, telling her that she would conceive Jesus. That, that song, she started off by giving thanks and saying, thank you, Lord, for remembering Abraham. That's what we've just read in Matthew chapter 1. It all started with Abraham. I heard about somebody who went to their psychologist now in December and said, it's time. I want to go off my antidepressants. And the psychologist said to him, I don't think it's a good idea. And they asked why. And the psychologist said, because December is the saddest month in the calendar year. And when I heard that statement, I thought, wow, that is unbelievable to say that December is, is the saddest month in the calendar year. And I got a message from a mate of mine. Last night, he's a pastor, he heads up a team, a church in Durban called Anthem, his name is Richard Mangarvin, and his wife was driving to church yesterday afternoon with their kids in the car, they have a massive car accident, and their daughter Kiara is in hospital after a five hour operation because her skull has been smashed and there's bones in, in her brain that have affected her brain, that's their family there. And I thought to myself, how is this man going to stand up today at a church in Durban and preach his heart out while his daughter's lying and they're not sure if he's going to be okay. And then I sit with a lady who walks in this morning and it's her first Christmas ever and she's lost her husband. And then I think of the family from Brackpan, first service ever, that they don't have a mom and a, and a, and a wife and a, and, a, and a granny. And then I see my mate sitting at the back, he's just pulled in the first service, he doesn't have his dad with him. Christmas is a happy time for some of us, but it's also a sad time. And I want to pray today, right now, slow the eyes, Lord Jesus. Some of us are happy. We remember the name of Jesus, but there's others that are going through a really sad time in Christmas. Think of my mates, Richard and the Mangavans and Jackie. I think of widows and, and widowers here. I think of kids that have lost parents here. I think of, of, of people that have lost people. And, and maybe not just people, lost businesses, lost, lost homes this past year. God, I pray that your name would be enough for them today. I pray, Lord, through this message that they would leave you changed. Circumstances not changed. Yes, things are still tough, but, but the eyes focused on you, Lord Jesus. I pray to you today you'd speak to those who are battling. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Maybe last year, maybe last Christmas day, you received promises from God. Maybe God, last Christmas, God promised to heal you. Maybe God, last year, God, God promised to, 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 to bless you. Maybe last year, God pro- promised to give you a husband. And, and through the whole of last year, there's been huge disappointments in your life. This scripture, friends, reminds us to leave the timing in God's hands. God's promises are yes and amen. We have just sung that, but we've got to leave the timing in God's hands. And man, it's tough. It's tough. I I, I spoke to a lady. She has a promise from God that he's going to bless her with her husband. And and, and she's a fantastic girl, and I want this promise to come quick. Fast forward the table, Lord. Let's see you get married to a great guy. And she's saying, you know, how long? What do I do? And I messaged her just to say, leave the timing in God's hands. In God's, and not your own promises. Oh, God's promised me this. God's promised me. No, no, no. God's promises in Jesus' name for your life. Leave the timing. I pray, ladies and gentlemen and visitors today, that you would leave here, leaving your disappointments at the foot of the cross and leaving the timing in God's hands. That's number one. Leave the timing in God's hands. Number two, the second call of Christmas is the call to be named. I think there's a couple of Husbands and wives here today whose wife is pregnant. He's a, yeah, Lee and Shannon, where are you guys? Yeah, stand up there. You guys are pregnant, eh? Yeah. You, uh, I, think you're having, I think you're having a boy. Is that right? And, and I don't know if you guys have decided on a name yet, but I'll tell you what, Lee, why don't you call that boy Daryl? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I'm always looking for another brother, Daryl. I'm always trying to find someone who's got the same name as me. And you're standing there smiling and you're saying through your teeth there, you have no right to tell us what we can call our son. You're shaking your head. We as parents, no, but I'm a pastor, but let me help you out a little bit there. And you're saying, I don't care who you are. Sit down, carry on with the preach so you can sit down. You see, I have no right to call that child, that little boy, a name. You, the parents have the right. You have the naming rights to call that child his name. But on Christmas Day, we don't have the rights to call the child the name. God says to Joseph and Mary, you will not name your son. I will name my son Jesus. And you see that on Christmas Day, we think in Benoni that we have the naming rights to Jesus. Jesus I can name you and you can play a little role in, in my marriage as Carl and Megan start their marriage. You can play a little role in my marriage. You can play a little role in my finances, Jesus. You can play a little role in my business. You can play a little role in my life with my smartphone, a little role. But I will name the naming rights for the rest of my life. And God says, it's not going to work like that on Christmas Day. I'm going to name him Jesus and he is your king and he is in charge and you will submit to Jesus. And some of you sit there, and when I say the word submit to Jesus, that's a scary word for some of us, because some of our husbands that we see in the world have messed up that word submit. Some of our bosses have messed up that word submit. Let me tell you about this king that God says you must submit to. Jesus gets born into this world. He comes out of a genealogy that's a mess. Prostitutes, Murderers, adulterers come out of that mess. And he comes into the world and they were expecting their king to come as a soldier to bring them into freedom. Shouting, 
on war horses with swords. He comes into this world, world born in a stable. Humble. Humble. And as he grows up, he serves people. And he leads people by example. And this King Jesus never, ma'am, he never judges people. He never judges people. And when the time came for him to go to Jerusalem where he was about to be crucified at that time, he doesn't come coming on a horse shouting and screaming as the king. He comes in on a donkey. Humble. That's the king that God wants us to submit to. I say to you on this Christmas day, are we going to submit to the name of Jesus? That's the message of Christmas. Submit to Jesus. A true true champion. Jesus, the name above every other name. Is he the name above every other name in all areas of your life? Are we going to name him Jesus in every area of our life today? No matter how old we are. I see a mom and a daughter sitting there. Are the two of them going to decide as mom and daughter, I'm going to name Jesus in every area of my life. That's the second call of Christmas. Jesus wants to be named in every area of our lives. You see, Michelle and I, we named our kids Bryce and Cass, just like you're going to name your son Daryl. The jokes aside there, bud. And we have the rights. And when I'm riding my bicycle behind Bryce on Friday morning along North Rand Road, and Michelle's in bed praying or sleeping, I'm not sure, and he's on his bike, and I see an intersection and a car coming, I shout his name, Bryce! And he stops, and he uncleats, because he knows my voice from a very young age. Do you know the voice of Jesus? And as I shout his name, his name has authority. And so when he hears his name, he stops. Not only does his name have authority, but the one who gives the name has authority. And not only that, his name carries content. There's power, there's meaning in his name. And so Jesus goes in John 1 to Simon, and he says, Simon, you're not going to be called a little stone anymore. You're going to be called a rock. You're going to change your name to Peter. Your name's going to be Peter the rock. And where the waves bash against the rock, you're going to stand firm on the rock. You're going to stand firm on the gospel. Jesus wants to name us in every area, and he wants us to name him in every area of our lives, friends. How do you discover your name, friends? How do you discover what God's purposes are for your life? You just walk with Jesus. You just get up in the morning and you walk with him. And you allow your mind to focus on Jesus. And the more you walk with him, the more you discover the name and the purposes that he has for your life. I think my, one of my purposes in life is to encourage people to walk in the, in, the, in the way of Jesus. I think that's one of my purposes. I took somebody to see a psychologist the other day. They needed a lift. And as I walked into that waiting room, it was stiff and it was dead. I thought, can they please just put some music on in this waiting room? And I walked in and I looked at a lady and I recognized her. And I sat next to her and we started to talk, whisper because it was dead in there. And I started to speak to her and and we spoke about an, an issue that she's going through in her life and she started to cry. And then it was her turn and they called her name out and she walked in to see her psychologist. And I saw saw people walking in and out of these psychologists' rooms. And as they walked in, they were hunched over, they were bent over. And it was sad for me because as they came out, their body language and their facial expressions were exactly the same. Hunched over, bent over. God wants us to live in the purposes and in the blessing and in the purpose of the name that he's purposed us to live in, friends. And I want to say to you on this Christmas day, don't you want Jesus to be named in every area of your life? Name Jesus. 
in every area of your life this Christmas day. That's number two. Number three, the calling of Christmas is the call to courage. You see, everyone thinks Joseph is this great guy. He is. He is a great guy. But Joseph's a righteous guy. If you go and read that in another translation, Joseph lived a righteous life. And now all of a sudden his girlfriend is pregnant, his fiance is pregnant, and he's trying to get her out of the limelight, out of the talking at the Faramir Square, but he's also take, trying to take himself out of the limelight. Because to make your fiance pregnant in those days was a massive scandal. And so he's trying to get out of it. Just like that one's trying to get out of things here. My life. But he is cute. And so Joseph's trying to get out of it, and God comes to him, and God says to him, fear not. Say, fear not. I want to say to us husbands today, to make an impact on our wives and our kids' lives and our friends' lives, we're going to have to have courage. Because some of us are working in systems and organizations and companies and institutions that are corrupt in their core. Corrupt in their core. And we're going to have to have courage to stand up, and to fly our flag for King Jesus. And it's going to take courage, man. It's going to take courage to, to do that. Because if we don't do that, it's going to leak into every department of every business organization. And it's eventually going to leak into your own life and your private life and your kids' life and your home life. Michelle reminded us last week who our enemies are. Remember, she said our enemies are the world. And the enemy is the devil, and the enemy is the flesh that's inside of me that wants to get out. The call of courage at Christmas time, just like Joseph, is to stand up and say, Jesus, I welcome you into every area of my life, and I'm going to stand up wherever I am, having coffee with my cycling friends at the mug and bean, raising my flag when I eat, eat a meal at a restaurant, when I hear a comment being made at the office, and it's going to take courage, friends. Christmas time is the call to stand up with courage. And I appeal to every person here today. I appeal to every man, every woman, every, every young and old person here. Take courage, just like Joseph did. Stand up and say, Jesus, I welcome you into my home, into every area of my life. I spoke to a man last week. We had a coffee at the Willies. I like the Willies except for the scandal. <laughs> and he was telling me about certain times in his life where, where, where he thinks that he's strong enough to do things in his own strength, where he thinks he's strong enough to go and spend time with that group of people. And he says, Daryl, when I get to that stage in my life, it's scary because I'm just three hours away from relapsing. And I thought when he, when he shared that with me, I went home and I read the story again about Joseph. And I thought, wow, that reminds me of Joseph. Because Joseph is making this decision. I'm going to break off this engagement quietly with Mary. I'm going to get out of this. And I, I, I thought of this man considering doing certain things, going to certain places, spending time with certain people. And I thought, wow, he's just three hours away from relapsing. But the Lord spoke to Joseph. And Joseph responded. I want to say to you today, are you responding to the call of Christmas? Are you responding to the name of Jesus who says, stand up and take courage? Stand up and take courage of the sidewalks. What are you considering? What are you considering doing at this Christmas time? Are you listening 
to the voice of Jesus. Not my voice. And sorry if I'm shouting. I'm just, I'm just excited. I'm so passionate about this. I'm not meaning to be shouting here. You see, friends, let me just, let me just make sure that I'm not missing an important point here. That's number three. You're going to have to have the courage to stand up and say, Jesus, I'm going to put you in every area of my life. Number four. Number four. Today for us, some of us have come to church only twice a year. We come on Christmas Day and, and we come on Easter. So I want to tell you about the good news of the gospel. The scripture says that Jesus came to save his people. Say his people. From their sin. And Kay, that sounds exclusive as you say that. His people from their sin. And I want to say to you today, it is. It is exclusive. But do you know who can become inclusive? Do you know who can become part of God's family? Anybody. Anybody can become part of God's family. Christmas is a message, friends, to say that anybody can become part and become included as they hear the gospel and as they start to live a straight road. Perfect? No. Blameless? Yes. And I pray that every man, woman, and child today will walk out of this hall, leaving disappointments behind because of a heavenly father who keeps his promises. If you leave your sin at the cross, friends, you can live a life on the straight road in Jesus' name. And you're saying, but you don't know what I've done, Daryl. Maybe I don't. Maybe I don't know what you've done, but I do know who Jesus is. And I want to tell you a little bit about who Jesus is. Jesus can get to the depths of your sin. Jesus can get to the widths of your sin, the width of your sin. He can get to the height of your sin. He can get to the length of your sin, to the depths of your sin. Because on Christmas Day, Jesus was born to set us free from our sin. Fourth call of Christmas is a message of inclusion. We chatted about that word genealogy. You know, in the Bible times, you don't see any genealogy that includes a woman. But in the genealogy of Jesus, you see five women that are included. Jesus includes women in his story here on earth. Wherever Jesus is preached properly, women get set free. And I want to say, wherever Jesus is not preached properly, women do not get set free. Many times they hide behind spiritual veils. Many times women hide behind physical veils. Sometimes often economic veils. But when Jesus is preached, women get full acceptance. Not only does Jesus include women in his genealogy, he includes prostitutes in his, in his genealogy. Maybe you were born out of wedlock. Jesus wants to include you. In his genealogy. Doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter if you're sitting here today as a, as a mobster, a gangster, a fraudster. I remember I, my dad had a friend. He was at a church. And he was, he was uh, involved in a big fraud case. Went to jail. No one from church went to visit him. And my dad went. And he visited a fraudster. Jesus includes fraudsters in his genealogy. That's the message of Christmas. Inclusion. Number one, four calls. It's a call to leave the timing of God's promises in his hands. Although the timing might not be ours, friends, God's promises will always be fulfilled. Number two, Jesus has the naming rights, not us. Jesus has the naming rights and he wants to be named in every area 
of our lives as a, as a businessman, as a husband, as a dad. Number three, it's a call to courage. Have the courage to stand up because this nation needs the righteousness of God. And by us standing up, we're going to see God's righteousness coming to South Africa. Number four, if you're an outsider, Jesus came on Christmas Day so that you and you can become an insider. Pagans, prostitutes, incest, it doesn't matter. Jesus included them in his genealogy so that we can be set free and included in his family on Christmas Day. And that's what we pray for in Jesus' name. I want us to stand as we pray together, please. Let's just close our eyes. The Bible says that God so loved the world. He so loved the world that he sent his one, his only one and only son. So that anyone, anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And God, we thank you today in this hall. We thank you for the miracle of Christmas Day. It's not Xmas Day. It is Christ's Day. It is your day, King Jesus. And I thank you for your blessing. God, I thank you for your kindness, your protection. I thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and your freedom and your authority and your care and your love and your power. I speak that over every single person in this hall on Christ's Day. Your smile, your kiss, your hug, your concern, your future for them as they walk the straight road of every person. God, I, I know there's some people that feel far from you here today, God. But you wrote this text that on Christmas Day, they can become close to you. And I pray, God, that everyone, young and old, rich and poor, black and white, educated and uneducated, single, married, divorced, I pray every person will walk out today on Christmas Day, continuing to live on the straight road in 2019. In Jesus' name, amen.